in that hospital room, I knew that I didn't want people being casual and flippant in saying, hey, Lord, bless Tony and Rhonda while they go through this terrible time. I wanted them to be intensely engaged with us. I know that that's what I wanted. So now when I hear a friend or somebody saying, hey, we're going through this terrible situation, I ask myself, if that was me, how would I want somebody to pray for me? And that's changing the way that I pray. One hundred years ago, ministry was designed to help every generation reach the next generation with the greatness of God by serving the church through equipping leaders, fostering intergenerational relationships, and providing effective resources. Tony Souter is the head CEO of One Hundred Years, and he joins us right now in Mid South Viewpoint. Tony, it's good to have you here. You drove from Chattanooga. That's where home is, right? Absolutely. For twenty-seven years, it's been home, and it's great to be here in Memphis with you, Byron. So for 35 years, you and your wife, Rhonda, have been married to twin daughters. Yes, we have twin daughters. They're 27 years old. They're delight. One's a teacher and one's an artist. Now, are they identical? They are not. One looks like me and one looks like my wife. And I always joke that the one that looks like me is a testament of the power of God that somebody could look like me and still be cute. So, <laughs> Must have been a lot of great memories growing up in your home. Family trips and vacations and time together? Well, we're always spending time together and having uh, opportunities to enjoy each other. One of the things that affected us early on, uh, Byron, is that my wife has had health issues. So wasn't a lot of going on trips and stuff like that because she wasn't able to do that. But one of the things that we've seen is that God just knit our family together in a way because maybe of the health issues. Um, that some other families weren't connected. And uh, one of the, the sayings in our family is we need to serve the house. We're in this together. We're yeah. going to get through this together, but it's not isolated. We're not going to be independent right, agents right. in this. Yes. We're in this together. You know, Tony, that's what's so great about family and about sticking together no matter what comes your way. There's nothing like it. And it reminds me, too, of the picture of our eternal family as Christians, how we're supposed to be really dependent upon each other. Right. But we've created, I think, a generation of isolation. Even within the church, a person can feel lonely. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about that. And that reality, this isolationism or this disconnectedness that's taken place, and a lot of times across generational lines, there's this disconnection that's affected our ministry in a profound way. And we've tried to do some decisive things to counteract that. Yeah. Over 25 years ago, your focus really was beginning with youth ministry and specifically trying to find ways to encourage youth pastors. Exactly. I mean, youth pastors are, can sometimes be isolated themselves. Yeah. And so try to come alongside of youth pastors, connect, coach, and care for them, help them to be more stabilized and encouraged in their ministry so that students, families, and churches can benefit and reap the benefit of that. What was tugging on your heart at the time that led you to pursue this area of ministry? Well, I had been a youth pastor for a number of years, and seeing the youth pastors in facing the challenges that they face usually don't last long. Back then, it was like 18 months. You had six months to honeymoon period, six months to realize, okay, this isn't really going to work, and then six months to figure out how do I go somewhere else. And we looked at that, and we felt like that's not good for anybody not the students, not the families, not the youth pastors, and how could we come alongside them and help them stay the course, investing in young people for a longer period of time. Give us a little insight into 100 Years Ministry. I think that's a unique title. 100 Years is 
uh, a family of ministries designed to help every generation reach the next generation. But the sense is, is that God gives us, let's just say, a, um, not necessarily, most of us aren't going to live to be 100 years old, but we can have an impact that lasts 100 years or longer because we invest in our children, we invest in other young people. There's a, basically a, a hundred years type of impact that can flow from our lives. And we're trying to help people think in those terms that yeah. my life isn't just my own, but I can invest in other right. people and have this generational impact because I was here right. with other people. Well, as part of this quest that you're on to help every generation reach the next generation, there's this campaign called the Pray For Me that you created. Why is this so important? Well, Pray For Me campaign exists because of the of what most people know as the exodus of young people from the church. Um, most people don't realize, though, that those young people that stay connected to the church and flourish in their faith tend to have multiple adult believers investing in their lives. And so we were just confronted with that reality of this exodus from the church. And then those young people that are staying connected to the church have intergenerational relationships that are giving them the sustenance to be able to stay. Right. And so we looked at that and we realized, well, if that's a key factor, then how do we get more adults connect with more young people more naturally than ever before? And as we dug into that, we realized, okay, we can solve this, and and after digging into it for a number of months, we, right. we created the Pray For Me campaign. And we're going to talk more about that as this interview unfolds here. You mentioned a moment ago about your wife's health. It's been a tender part of your family. Y'all have all ministered to her and walked through this together. It was after a hospital stay that you learned something about the deliberate, persistent, and hopeful prayer and how important that is. It was. I remember sitting in my wife's hospital room, and I was at at the time she had just had surgery. I was reading through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. I got to Matthew seven and seven through eleven, and as I was reading through there, and that's where it says, "Asking you receive, seeking you'll find, knocking it'll be open to you." For everyone that asks, and you know the rest of that. Right. And so, as I was looking at that, I realized that immediately after that passage, that well-known passage on prayer is a passage that everybody knows, but they don't really know that it's there. They don't know that it's it's located in a context of prayer. It's the golden rule. Jesus says, so the way that you want others to treat you, treat them also. Right. But he says, therefore, so the way that you want other people to treat you, he's done that right after he talks about prayer. So in, what I found was this, that the way I would want somebody else to pray for me that's the way I should pray for them. And so that changes. I know how I want people to pray for me. In that hospital room, I knew that I didn't want people being casual and flippant in saying, hey, Lord, bless Tony and Rhonda while they go through this terrible time. I wanted them to be intensely engaged with us. I know that that's what I wanted. So now when I hear a friend or somebody saying, hey, we're going through this terrible situation, I ask myself, if that was me, how would I want somebody to pray for me? And that's changing the way that I pray in my persistence level, my dedication level, my intensity, um, because I understand what I want people to pray for me in those kind of settings. And two, the light switch turning on, really. I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks to us that way so we can practically see how can we live out the Word of God, you know? 
And that's such a great lesson there. It was really this Pray For Me campaign. It's growing. We're going to talk about how it's impacting churches all across America. There's some, what, 600 churches plus? 650 plus churches across in 42 states, probably 17 different denominations. is touching different corners of the church all across the country. And this started back in 2014. It did. And when it began, did you have any idea? You know, the reality is we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> you know, we, we've been trying to follow the Lord uh, along the way, and he's been so gracious as giving us breadcrumbs. Okay, let's think about it differently than we were thinking about it. And each time we thought differently, yes. that became the most clear way to think about it. And um, and he's just opened doors up all along the way to help us to realize that we, to not get in the way um, of our own selves, of, of what he wanted to do. And you're walking by faith. Absolutely. Uh, our pastor was sharing this weekend when Joshua was leading Israel and had to cross the Jordan. God did not part Jordan until the foot of the Levi priest right. touched the water. Yeah. And sometimes we just think, well, We've got to make sure everything works out in our minds, all the numbers are right. We put facts over faith. And I don't think that's a, a license to be ignorant, of right. course. But at the same time, Tony, I mean, we're supposed to be faith walkers. Absolutely. And and this has been a faith journey, yeah. trusting the Lord each step along the way. Um, and it's interesting that um, you touched on some of our own family history and, and, and just the the dependence on prayer that God has forced into our lives. It's not yep. like it's been a casual thing. Right. God has forced us with my wife's long history of health challenges. He's made it so that, Tony, you need to trust me because if you trust me now, you have no idea what I'm planning to do in the future. I would say the Pray For Me campaign would not have existed if we didn't go through all these challenges yes, yes. Um, because we have a sense of what it means to be desperate, and we want God to work. And uh, we're dependently desperate on God to work in our lives on a daily basis. But for God to come around the next generation and yes. to reverse some of the trends or what we're seeing with the next generation, yes. we as a church need to become desperately dependent upon him. You know, I think that's so important, too. In light of where culture is today, as you mentioned, a lot of young people are, are leaving the church, and maybe those in the church might say, you know, what's our future? Where are we going, you know? Well, you know, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. We right. know that's true. But referring back to my story with Israel crossing the Jordan, once they crossed, they were to take these stones of remembrance. Mm. I've heard pastors preach on this before, and they'll talk about the stones that they took and they were laid on the bank there. But there's reference in the Scripture that refers there was potentially two sets of stones, mm. not just one set of stones. Yeah. The one set of stones of remembrance were actually left piled up in the Jordan. So well, now why would you put stones in the Jordan? Because the water is going to come back and cover it up, because there was often times of deep drought in Israel. When the water levels of the Jordan would go really low, and when they would go low, what would happen? There's those stones right. to remind you in the tough times. So as you see God give you victories in his prayers in the past, that's hope for the future for tomorrow. So we looking at what God's done mm. for past generations, yeah. we've got all kinds of hope. Right. We just got to pray and, and trust God for it, right? <laughs> right. We have to stay the course and trust God today because tomorrow is going to be a new day. And we'll trust him tomorrow. One of the things that has come to the forefront in our minds as a family over and over is that there was no indication that my wife would ever get better. 
But today, I have to be faithful today, and I'm going to trust God today. And tomorrow, he says he gives new mercies every morning. And so I'm going to be looking to that mercies. Now, the mercy doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to get well, but it does mean that he gives sustaining mercies. And so he sustained us through 20-something years of challenge. He is faithful, and he is trustworthy, and so we're looking to him on a daily basis. Well, through the outpouring and the work of Pray For Me campaign, a new project called the Grandparent Legacy Edition. Spend the rest of our time talking about this because I'm a grandparent. I've got uh, two granddaughters, and i got another baby coming later in this year. Fun. So I love being – that's my call in life, Tony, is to be a grandparent. I want to know how to pray for them and knowing that I can invest – in them through prayer. This is a great, great project. Talk about the concept here. You spent over two years meeting grandparents, interviewing grandparents. I mean, there must have been an incredible ride during that time. Uh, No doubt. Uh, To be able to have the privilege of sitting with grandparents and them telling their stories of what God's doing and what they're, what's on their heart, how they long to make a difference in their grandchildren's lives. Mm-hmm. But then there's the shadow side. The shadow side is that there's hurt. There's rifts. Somebody asked me the other day, what are some of the things that come to the forefront in from your interviews? And I said, well, good grandparenting starts with good parenting. Most of the heartache that is experienced as grandparents flows from the hurt that was done when they were parents of their children. And um, one of the biggest challenges for grandparents these days in those shadow moments is being able to say, I'm sorry. Tell me where I've hurt you and be able to bring confession and repentance so that the rifts can be healed because – the fact is, is that our children are the gatekeepers of their children. We can't be presumptuous yeah. as grandparents and that we can go see them anytime we want. That's a great reminder to dealing with past pain as a parent, making sure that you confess and have that restitution. They can be reversed. Yes. Um, it's not, we're not stuck no. um, because we serve a God of hope. And um, as we come to him in prayer, and, and that really was the impetus for the grandparent edition, we realized that grandparents care about their grandchildren. We felt like that we could come alongside them and help them to to maximize and refresh and even deepen their prayers for their grandchildren so that they could uh, impact generations to come because of faithful praying for their grandchildren. Was there anything that came as a surprise to you through those interviews? You know, probably the surprise was kind of what I already kind of mentioned a yeah, little bit right, right. Um, with the heartache. Okay. Um, that was that was a hard surprise that I experienced. But then the other surprise was how grandchildren are affecting grandparents. For instance, Hugh McClellan, he's got 22 grandchildren. They thought they were done with children, and they made a decision that uh, his wife had a procedure, and so they couldn't have any more kids. But then later, she regretted making that decision, and so she reversed the procedure, and at 43, she got pregnant. And her dad, who was not a believer, said, you need to abort. She said, well, that's not going to happen. And as a result, they gave birth to Elizabeth, and uh, Elizabeth, in, in God's economy, was the very person through going, seeing her grandfather most every day, playing games with him, playing pool with him, that God used Elizabeth to soften her grandfather's heart, and that at 80 years old, he came to faith Aww. because of her her life, the very person that he didn't even want born. 
that was just another testament of that. God, it goes both ways. Yes. Here, grandparents want to make a difference, and they're going to pray well. Yes. And we're going to try to encourage that with the Prairie Legacy Edition. But we also realize that grandchildren can make a massive difference yes. in the lives of grandparents. Oh, they can. Tony, did you find in those interviews, too, that grandparents that were praying for their grandkids needed maybe a little help being more specific with their prayers. Maybe they needed to know how to use scripture in their prayers uh, and saying, Lord, just, you know, bless my children and keep them out of mischief. <laughs> you know, you know that, that's, that's probably the case across the board. I mean, it, that is uh, the grandparents love their grandchildren. And as they're praying, they tend to, like most of us, unless we have some ways to help us to think more deeply and and more expansively and even more specifically, we will tend to become more generalized in our prayers. And like, Lord bless Billy or Lord bless Susie. We felt like that one of the things that we've experienced is helping them to think through the lens of Scripture. But one of the things we've done with the the prayer guide is get, not just giving them the lens of Scripture, but there's seven essential categories in the prayer guide that help them to think differently about the th- types of things that they need to pray. Give us some examples. Okay, so for instance, Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Wisdom and favor are what I call essentials. Stature is not essential. Everybody grows in stature except for me. So <laughs> that's not an essential. So the other five essentials, there's seven essentials in the, in the prayer guide, and the other five come from 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anybody look down on your youth, but in your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, set an example for all the believers. So those seven categories are the categories that are kind of set the framework for helping a grandparent pray Scripture through those lenses. So for instance, say you're praying for one of your granddaughters and you're praying for God's favor over their life. Now that's the foundation. Everything that happens in our lives is is the favor of God. The fact that we're breathing here and we're right. looking at each other and yes, we're talking yes. and they're hearing us, people are hearing us, yes. that's all favor. Right. Now, a lot of times we forget that favor because foundations, you can forget about the foundation. You yes. don't think about the foundation no, of your no. house, right, right. but it's, it's the foundation. Yeah. And so you're praying for God to bring his favor around your granddaughter in ways that he sees that she needs that we don't even know yet. But then on top of that foundation is what we call the core four. That's wisdom, love, faith, and purity. So that's what God's doing inside of our grandchildren or inside of us, not just our grandchildren. This is us too. So we're praying that God would work his wisdom, his love, his faith, and his purity inside them so that they become, their character is formed in those categories. And then... Lastly, we say we pray for what I call the PR pair, how they live that out. What's in the core, how do they live that out? And that's through their speech and their conduct. That's where people see what's on the inside. Now, a lot of times we can fake it, but the reality is you can only fake it so long. And the reality is what's inside comes out. And that's when we can see, oh, wait a second, I'm making some poor choices. I need more of God's wisdom seared into my soul, and so I'm, I'm going to pursue it. And so do my kids, my grandkids, my kids, they need that too, so I'm going to pray that way. I get indications from their speech and conduct. Sometimes we stay there too long, yeah. and it's not just about behaviorists. If we could just get them to do the thing, right things and say the right things, that's not what our goal is. Our goal is the internal. That's just giving us a light into the inner sanctum so that we can pray about those yes. core things and that God's favor would put its ar- his arms around the whole thing. Yeah, really putting 
legs and feet to the prayers, very practical ways. And it really not only is going to uh, be a blessing for you to pray, but it's also going to change you <laughs> in the process. <laughs> well, I, I know personally it's changed me as I'm d- diving in um, and praying for my children and other people. I can't help but just turns back and say, Father, I need your your wisdom yes. today yes. in these settings. I'm not. I need your favor. I'm not enough to win the day in whatever setting I'm walking into. And so I need you to show up. Yes. And if you would show up, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to understand that you've shown up so that I can rejoice in you and not just think yeah. I'm really good Yeah. because <laughs> um, that's not the case. Tony, something else that you discuss is the power of giving blessings to your grandchildren. How do we give a blessing to our grandchildren? Sometimes we think about blessing them with this inheritance. Yeah, I think throughout Scripture, you can get a glimpse of the importance of what God sees as in giving blessings. So in Numbers 6, God gives a, a command to the priest to say the most famous of all blessings over the people of Israel so that they would know his name and that his name would be over them. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That blessing holds in it, um, it's not magical, but that God's done something in giving that blessing, that charge to the priest, that when we give blessings to our grandchildren or children, what happens is that there's a connection with us and with God that Again, I, I use the term God's economy. God puts things into place and he uses things. Do we understand this? No. Not really. No. When I was reading through that passage in Numbers, it sounded like this is strange that he says, you're going to do this and this is going to cause this to happen to the people of Israel and they'll know me deeper because you're proclaiming this over them. And so when you're putting your granddaughter to to bed and like what I would do with my daughters for 20 years, even into their late teens and early 20s. But when they were young, I'd go in, I'd put my hand on their head, look them in the eye. And I looked them in the eye only after one of my daughters says, and I closed my eyes and I was putting my hand on her head. And I said, Lord, bless you and Lord, keep you. And my daughter said, no, daddy, look at me. And that changed it. So from that then on, it was, I put my hand on her head. Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And then I would go into other prayer things that we were praying right. for them, wanted for them, like we were reading through missionary biographies. And I would pray that, that you would have the courage of Mary Slessor of Calabar or the stamina of Ida Scudder from India. So they're getting it from a number of places. But the beauty is, is that in that moment, when you're placing your hand on your grandchild's head and you're looking them in the eye and you're proclaiming this blessing over them and praying other scriptural blessings over them, God creates this intimate bond that allows you to become more authentic with your grandchild than ever before. I know that when I'm engaging with my daughters, that something happens because they know that I have to be truthful. And so if I've done something weird or uh, been abrupt or been, uh, you know, let's just call it abrupt. If I was abrupt with them earlier in the day, then God convicts me of that. And it's I can't go in and give a blessing to my daughter before saying, hey, look, I, earlier today, I was abrupt with you in a way I shouldn't have been because they're going to feel the incongruency. Yes. You're trying to give me a blessing, but you were really mean to me earlier. I don't understand what you're trying to do here. So it, it almost like creates a recalibrating point 
moment yes. with your grandchild or your child or whoever you're giving the blessing to, which is a powerful moment because it keeps you in sync with the Lord and with relationally with your grandchildren. But it changes the relationship as well. Wow, Tony, there's so much here, and we've only touched a brief portion of the book. But the thing is, we want our grandparents to get a copy of Pray For Me, Grandparent Legacy Edition. We want to get everybody to get involved with the Pray For Me campaign. As simple as going to the website, really, to start? It really is. As you go to the website, and let's say you're a youth pastor, and you're listening to this, and you come across this, or somebody tells you about this. Then you're going to go there, you're going to look at the website, and you're going to, as a youth pastor or a pastor or a leader in your church, you're going to say, oh, we need to probably get this quick start kit. That'll show us what we need to do. You come to the website, and you're a grandparent, and you see the the button up at the top that says Grandparent Legacy Edition. You click on that, and it shows you how you can get your copy, or you can get multiple copies and give them to your friends. But then you begin praying and watch God work. There's no reason to live in disparity when we have the hope available mm. through us in Jesus Christ. And we should be definitely lifting up our grandchildren. They are mm. a heritage of the Lord. Right. They are a gift from God. And we have that responsibility. And I think that would be the heart of most of those listening grandparents today, that they are concerned about the well-being. And let's not just be concerned about the, the physical well-being, which is important, but that we also concerned about the spiritual generations of the future right. for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, that's probably the thing that's most encouraging to me about engaging in prayer is prayer is a future-oriented thing. We do it now, but we're praying about things in the future. Yeah. We're praying that God would do something, whether it's the next second or the next decade, and we're trying to influence what's happening with the future of our grandchildren or whoever we're praying for, that God would bring his activity and he would intervene in a powerful and unmistakable way in their lives We can impact generations to come by prayer now for the future. Tony Souter, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you're doing to encourage us to pray, giving us the tools to be able to do it. So to get a copy of the book or to learn more about the ministry, what's the website? Prayformecampaign.com. Prayformecampaign.com. It's all right there. Yep. Thanks for stopping by. Great to be here. Thanks. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Did you know that Mid-South Viewpoint has been a feature on this station for 35 years now? Let us know what you think. Email me, Byron Tyler. I serve as the program director. The address, btyler at botradionetwork.com. That's B-T-Y-L-E-R at botradionetwork.com. Hey, I can't wait for you to hear our guest on the next Mid-South Viewpoint.